So I want to talk to you about my shepherd today. I want to talk to you about a personal shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to confess that. I want to tell you he's been my shepherd for years. I, I, I know this. We as pastors, we shepherd the flock of God. That's what the Bible says. And we'll give an account to God, not to you. We'll give an account to God for how we shepherded the flock of God. But I want you to also know we know we're sheep as well. Pastors are sheep too. So there's a sheep in me. There's a sheep in you. But there's a shepherd who wants to reign over all. And so when David writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 23, he's talking about a personal shepherd, not a shepherd as if one among many, not the shepherd who's distant and far off, but my shepherd who's close and up front. So I pray that you'll hear the shepherd speak through me today. I don't shepherd my own life. He shepherds me. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and so have you because we shepherded ourselves in some decision making instead of letting him shepherd us. So this invitation is for us to come to a place where we just say, Lord, I give up. You never said I could. You always said you would. So shepherd my life today. And today's got enough in it, doesn't it? We don't need to worry about tomorrow. Invitations are important. I've, I'm in my 38th year of ministry. I started at 18. I'm thankful because this church gave me an opportunity. Pastor John Morgan gave me an opportunity at 18 years old to be an intern. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. I drove an F-150 stick shift, did a lot of errands, cleaned a lot of bathrooms and toilets, and that's just the honest truth. I said, no, I'm going into the ministry. They said, start here. <laughs> Get a CDL license, drive a bus on Saturday morning. Go across the tracks, get, pick up some people, bring them to church. That, that's ministry. So I started here. I'm thankful that the Lord has shepherded me. I'm 56 now, fixing to be 57. 38 years of ministry. But let me tell you something. I've missed the mark in a lot of it because I didn't let the Lord shepherd me. So he wants to shepherd me. He wants to shepherd you. So I didn't understand the divine invitation all the time. So I go to, you know, I get invitations all the time. We pastors, we get invitations to events, to banquets, to fundraisers, and it is too many. So I, first of all, when I get an invitation, I always look at it, I glance at it, and then I look at my calendar to see if it's something I can attend. But my wife goes much deeper than I do at looking at an invitation. Because what she looks at is the ink. She looks at the card stock because she is analyzing what kind of event we're actually thinking about going to. And a lot more could be paid to the attention on the invitation of what kind of event it's going to be. Uh, she can tell me whether we're going to have rubbery chicken and box cake or fillets by just looking at the invitation. You know, some, they should put a disclaimer like, eat before you come. This event will be less tedious and meaningful than it actually says on the card. Uh, we plan to start on time, but, but it's just not working out for us. So, so much more could be paid to the invitation of what the event's really going to be like. Here's what I want you to think of this morning. God has written an invitation for you in his word. It's divinely written. It's inspired by God. It's a gift to you and me. And his invitation was penned by 40 authors, 
66 volumes, 1,189 chapters, some 34,343 verses of a divinely written invitation, and Jesus Christ paid his life to deliver this good news to you. So you better pay attention to the invitation today. That's what I'm telling you. This is not just church and games and rules. We're talking about a relationship here. Some of you need to understand that you are shepherding yourself today and you really need to give up and let the Lord shepherd you because you're going to run yourself right off the cliff that you're headed toward because that's what we do as sheep. We wander right off. Pray that this would minister to you. Let's look at the text together. The Lord, he's my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, my shepherd, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, this is confidence here. David's speaking with confidence. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what my shepherd is all about. Let's take each verse and look at the text and see if God can't speak to us about a little shepherdology today. Some of us need to make a readjustment, a realignment. How long are you going to drive the car that pulls off to the right? Why don't you get it aligned so your tires don't wear out? We, we'll do it for eight years. And we'll see the engine light come on on the car and we'll kick it, slap it, do everything we can. There's a reason, there's a problem under the hood. For some of us today, the engine lights is like this. There's a problem under the hood. Let's go under the hood of our lives and see what David says as far as shepherding us. Here's, here's what the text says, verse one. He says, the Lord, the and Lord in caps, speaks of Yahweh uh, in the Hebrew. It's God, it's Yahweh. And when the Jews would write the name Yahweh down, they would never speak it. They would always write it. They would take, if they were transcribing or scribing the scriptures there was a process that they went through. When they came to the name Yahweh, they stopped in honor and reverence of his name and they put down the quill or the pen and they got a new one. They cleansed themselves and then they started translating or transcribing. So the idea was there was an honor and a respect for the word Yahweh. The Lord is speaking of Yahweh God. So if they were ever to speak of the Lord, they would use the word Adonai. So Yahweh would always be written, Adonai would always be spoken. So the Jews would go to extremes to reverence and honor the name of the Lord. Now this psalm starts out with the great sovereign who is the Lord who becomes a gentle shepherd to his people. So if the Jews went to the extreme to honor God's name, we in this generation have gone to the extreme to not honor God. We say things like this. Well, he's my good buddy. Well, he'll just, he's my friend. He'll, he'll just, just step on over here, Lord, and just... No, no, he's not a good buddy. He's God. You approach him with holiness and reverence and awe. He's powerful. You don't talk to the man upstairs. You're talking about the Lord. 
So if you want to stop right here in the psalm, let me ask you a question. Do you honor him? The Lord, he, he, the Lord is my shepherd. Not this one that flippantly people speak about, but the Lord who I honor and reverence in my life. He has loved me into a position of holiness, so why can't I live my life there and speak of his holiness and speak of his shepherding in my life? The Lord is my shepherd. I want you to know that even though the Lord is my shepherd, I still have the ability to shepherd myself when I go after my flesh. When I decide, you know, Lord, I... I, Stay over here. I'm going to go this way. How do you do that? You can't go anywhere where you leave. The Lord doesn't just like, he's with me. So I've taken him through some things that have nothing to do with him. But, but still, the bottom line is the realignment, the readjustment to understand, wait a minute. If I can just understand that the Lord is my shepherd. See, the question today is, are you your own shepherd or, or is he your shepherd? And I'm going to tell you something. We don't shepherd very well. Here's why. We own too much. We, we take on too much and we own too much. So we feel like, man, I'm going to take this thing on. Man, so-and-so did this to me. You watch what I can do to them. That sounds like flesh to me. See, if someone has hurt you, if you hurt them back, then you're shepherding your life. You're not yielding to the Lord as your shepherd because your shepherd can produce a love for the person who hurt you. And even when you don't even love them, you say, God, I can't love him. He says, good, I'm glad you said that because you're acknowledging that you can't do it. And you're exactly right. My shepherding in your life, I can do it. Just yield to me. Some of you are wanting another job. Why don't you let the Lord shepherd you in the job that you have right now and be faithful? If he wants you to have another job, that's fine. But it's the Lord is, look at, look at what David says, not a shepherd, not the shepherd, he, he's my shepherd. He's shepherding me. So we try to control way too much in this life. Some of you are you're control freaks, man. You gotta control your world and your people and your family because you're in charge. But I got good news for you today. When the Lord's your shepherd, you're not in charge anymore. He's in charge. He calls the shots in my life. I know what the shots in my life are like when I call them. I got one big mess on my hands, but when he shepherds me, then here, here's something you may want to write down. Playing God, when we do this as our shepherd, when we play God, it's the root of all worry. When you play God, you're at the root of all worry. You're playing God. That, that's why anxiety and fears, and I know what this is like. Listen, I've dealt with this stuff recently. I know what it's like to try to control, to try to manipulate, to try to say, I, I'm going to, instead of just yielding to the shepherd. And so worry, what happens is worry begins to ratchet up in our life and we start thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and then worry ratchets up even more because we don't live in a day-sized compartment as our shepherd does. He's shepherding us right now. You know what my goal is? You know what my counselor tells me? You just get through preaching. You, that's the event right there. Don't think about what you're going to eat. Don't think about who you're going to see. Don't think about tomorrow. He said, you deal with the stuff right here in front of you. Because your shepherd is in front of you and he's leading you. My prayer today is that I can just get to 1215. That's it. That's it. I'm telling you. Because when we don't live in a day-sized compartment, worry ratchets up in our life. And then we take control and we shepherd our lives. And we say, let me handle this instead of let the Lord handle this. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what the text says. So we've got to live in a day-sized compartment. My dad, um, when I used to visit him, he went to be with the Lord in 
October of 2020. We lived in Huntsville, so I would make trips. And one day, man, it, the sky was looking bad, and I was looking at my phone going, this is going to be rough, but I'm going to try to make it through. I got about around the 610 loop coming home, and then it all fell out of the sky. All hell broke loose, it, seriously. And it began to hail like crazy. And I thought, oh, no, I don't have insurance on this car. I have other cars, but I don't have any comprehensive on this one. So I began to take control of the situation. I maneuvered. Uh, nobody had figured this out yet, but I maneuvered under an overpass, and I got my truck exactly where it needed to be, where the wind was bringing the hail this way. I moved just close enough to the guardrail where I was protected. The problem with that, the wind shifted. And the bigger problem with that is all of a sudden cars began to get the idea of the same thing I was doing, and they boxed me in, and I could not get out. And I was freaking out, and I was anxious, and I'm thinking, why didn't I just go ahead and get comprehensive? Why am I so cheap? Why didn't I just... And I just begin to control and control and control, and here's what happened. I got boxed in. Listen to me. Our shepherd wants to box us in for day compartment living. Some of you are thinking about the test, the exam, the scan, the illness, the job. How about just think about this moment right here. Let God speak to you right now. The Lord shepherd us in this flock, shepherd this flock right now through your word. The Lord is my shepherd one day at a time. Look at the text. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what that means in the original language? I got everything I need when I have him in my life. He's already met all my needs. You see, sheep are discontent. They bully, they butt each other, uh, they get uh, restless in a pen. And so David, he was, remember, he was a shepherd boy, so he's speaking not from a shepherd's perspective, he's speaking from a sheep's perspective. So this is important. He said, the Lord has, as I shepherded these flocks when I was a little boy, the Lord has been that kind of shepherd to me. He, he, he's been leading me. And he says, because he's been leading me, I have everything that I want. I, I am sufficient in him. So discontentment means that you don't have an attitude of contentment. Discontentment means that you have an attitude, but it's not an attitude of gratitude like contentment is. You see, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I want. I am content in him. You see, discontentment is complacency. Contentment is uh, being uh, hopeful in what God has for you. So, so what God's already given you. So the idea is the Lord... He, he's my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I have everything I want and everything I need in him. You can write these scriptures down. We won't turn there, but John 10, 11, Hebrews 13, 20, and 1 Peter 5, 4 talk about the New Testament, the Lord is my shepherd, talk about Jesus, and it talks about in John 10, 11, it talks about the good shepherd who died for us. Hebrews 13, 20 talks about the great shepherd who rose for us. And then 1 Peter 5, 4 talks about the chief shepherd who's coming back for us. So the, the good shepherd died for us. The great shepherd rose for us. The chief shepherd's coming back for us. Then all the ministry of Jesus is in this Psalm 23, verse 1 that David's talking about right now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I got everything I need in him. I am sufficient I am content. I'm not sufficient in my circumstances. I got some tough circumstances as well as you, but I'm sufficient in the 
I am content in the sufficiency of Christ in my circumstances. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now look what he does here. He makes me, verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The reason that the text says he makes me lie down in green pastures is you and I have a tendency to trot right through the pastures that God has for us because we don't live in a day-sized compartment. We're thinking about tomorrow. So today you're going to be walking through the green pastures and you're going to be thinking of something out there and God's saying, I'm going to force you to lay down in the green pasture. That's what the word make means. It means to force to lie down because God has a blessing in the fresh green vegetation in the pasture that's velvety that you can feel with your uh, toes if you were to go into a green pasture back then and you would understand that he makes me lie down in those green pastures because my tendency is to run and trot and go and do. And God says, the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. And I'm gonna cause you to rest I'm going to bring circumstances in your life that cause you to rest. I don't know what rest looks like to you, but for many of us, we're just flying right through the green pastures. And God says, put your face down. Get down on your knees. Let me bless you in these green pastures. That's what the text says. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. Do you know that sheep struggle to rest? There's a sheep in me. There's a sheep in you. We struggle to rest. You know, the only time sheep will rest is when they're full, when they're not hungry. You know what God does? He feeds us. He feeds the sheep in me. He feeds me. He gives me manna enough for today, like the children of Israel. Give us manna for today. And so they would go back the next day and give us manna again. You see, what happens is we are not hungry for the word. We starve uh, the word in our life and we feed the flesh. Instead of feeding the word of God in our lives and give me manna for today and make me lie down in this green pasture and I want you more than I want anything else. See, what we need to do is we need to magnify what God says and minimize all these distractions that we have. That's what we need to do. That's how he makes us lie down. Some of you go to Instagram, Facebook, and whatever else there is out there, I'm old. <laughs> and that's your news feed. That's your news feed. And you live off of that news feed. And there are crazy people that are out there posting stuff all over the place. And then you start following and going and doing, and you're, you're back, you're right at it, just like a sheep. A sheep butts heads with other sheep all the time. Let me tell you something. There's a sheep in all of us, but there's a Savior who wants to shepherd us and make us lie down in green pastures and lead us by quiet waters, and that's because He's in control and not us. Why don't we starve the flesh and feed the Word of God in our life? Get up in the morning and say, your mercies are new every morning. Your grace is sufficient. I'm not, I refuse to get on my phone. I refuse. I tell you what, if we fasted from our phones, revival could break out. I know, I'm the 930 guy sometimes, I get it. But I'm telling you the truth. You can shoot me an email and I'll delete it. If you shoot pastor an email, I'm going to give him the names of the people that I know who are going to send me the email and he'll delete it. So whatever floats your boat. He makes me, look at the text. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, my wife the other day, well, it wasn't the other day, it was a while back. We were at some event, it may have been church. She gave me a kiss. 
not unusual. She had lipstick on, not unusual. And one of the older ladies, because I work with senior adults, came up and she saw the lipstick on my lips and on my face. And she went to do this. I'm telling you the truth. She went to do this. She's going to rub it off. I said, hold up. Don't do it. You know why? Because that's a good memory I want to keep. You say, oh, you're so whatever. No, let me tell you something. The memory of the Lord being my shepherd, the kiss of God on my life, don't you try to wipe it off from me. He's my shepherd. I'll keep that one all the way. He makes me lie down with the kiss that comes from him. And then because of the kiss that comes from God, he leads me, look at the text, he leads me by the still waters. Sheep do not like rough waters. Let me tell you why they don't like rough waters. Because they have a tendency to lose their balance and fall. They have thick wool. And think about it, if the wool gets wet, they're going to go over. So they resist rushing rivers and roaring rivers and roaring streams. It, it, it causes panic in their lives. And David was always writing from a perspective of panic. If you look at the Psalms, he's like, I'm running from Saul from the cave. I'm hiding in this cave. I'm going over here. So David needed something to settle him down. And what settled him down was knowing that the Lord was his shepherd who led him by the still waters. Sheep, when it's calm, they'll drink and they'll get full. And we need to get to the still place so we can hear the still small voice because we can't hear the noise from the roaring river of today's society. And so many of us are so busy trying to fix all the problems in America with the roaring river. Let me tell you something about the roaring river. It's going to be there for the rest of our days. But we, as the shepherd, as, as he shepherds us, we as sheep can drink from him and he will fully satisfy our life. You got to get to the still place if you're going to hear the still small voice. Some of you need to learn to say this, no. I'm telling you the truth. My counselor tells me that. Freeman, you're too nice. You don't say no to enough people. Can I tell you something? In the last month, I've said no to about 10 people. And you know what? Some of them have turned and walked away from me. And you know what? My counselor said, don't own their response. You just say no. I'll have revival myself. That's fine. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) Look at the text. He leads me beside the still waters. We went to Kauai one time. It's a beautiful place uh, over across the ocean, Kauai. And they have what is called a queen's bath. You have to park and you have to go through the subdivision. Then you have to go over this mountain. It takes about two hours of trekking to get to this queen's bath. You see the waves coming in from the ocean. And all of a sudden, those waves just melt at a lava pool that's right there at the face of the mountain. And it's like you get to the still place. It takes some walking. It takes some effort. But you get to the still place and there's nothing like the lava pool that you can just be in. Those waves are coming. So when the waves of life seem to be over our head, we have to remember that the shepherd says they're really under his feet. He's got everything under control. So let him lead us by still waters. Look at the third thing here that happens here. So he makes us, he leads us. Verse three, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. The idea is my soul is the part of life for me and for you. 
So the actual rendering of this verse would mean he causes life to return to me because guilt causes my soul and your soul to get messed up. We have made bad decisions and we have sinned and we have shot an arrow and thought we were hitting the mark and we missed the mark way over here. We, we shot it way over here and we've sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. So our soul is all jacked up. And the idea of the word soul here for a sheep is the sheep, they're cast down. Sheep turn over and fall over very, very easily. If you've ever been to the beach before, and you sat in one of those little chairs. You, you had your umbrella and you're thinking, hey. You kind of leaned over, man. You just kind of felt yourself go over in that little chair that was about that high. And you can't write yourself up. You're having your family pull you up. Because here's what it is. It reminds me of the sheep in me. That we have a tendency to destroy based on decisions we make when we shepherd our lives. So the reason that he has to restore our soul is because our soul got messed up because of the decisions that we made apart from him. And he didn't shepherd us. I led myself into that decision and I'm living in the consequences of that decision. So the only way for him to make right what I made wrong is to turn me from upside down, right side up. And he does that by his power and his grace. He takes guilt mistakes and sins and gives grace to people who don't deserve it. And then every one of us in this room have grief wounds. And it's not whether you have a wound, it's what you do with the wound that you have. Are you going to isolate yourself? Healing never comes in isolation. I'm learning that. Healing comes by being honest about the soul decisions that you've made where you've missed the mark and the grief wounds, the dreams, the passions, the things that just blew up in your face and you're going, I shepherded myself right off the cliff. And God says, let me write you right back up because of my grace. He shepherds us. He restores our soul. That's what the word restore it means. It means to make right again. We get turned on our backs, our soul gets turned down, and then all of a sudden, our soul gets restored by the grace of God. He can do that in your life today. He can forgive you, wash you clean. You can say, I don't want a shepherd anymore. I'm going to give it over to him. Look at the text. This is so beautiful. Look at these verbs. He makes me. He leads me. He restores my soul. And then he leads me in the paths of righteousness. You know why? My shepherd leads me because he has really good eyesight. And I know God doesn't have eyes. It's anthropomorphic language, which means basically God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. But God can see what you can't see. And so he leads. He has to lead sheep in the paths of righteousness because sheep have poor eyesight. They can only see 15 feet in front of them. That's why they go off cliffs all the time. You can have a thousand sheep go off a cliff because they can't see far enough and they just all follow each other. And that's what we do. So we need to be led by a leader who knows what he's doing, who's the shepherd of my soul and the shepherd who restores me. He's the shepherd who leads me. I don't need to lead my own life. I know what that mess means. I need him to lead my life and he leads me in the paths of righteousness because that's who he is for his namesake. Now look at the text. Here's a little turning point. And then he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So we're walking through this valley. Every one of us goes through valleys. 
And he says here in the text, he says, I walk, yea, though I walk through, not in, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not the valley of death. It feels like death. Some of the things that you and I go through feel like death from a life perspective. Death of dreams, death of loved ones, death, death, death. That's all we hear is a death. But David's talking about the valley of the shadow of death. So you got to pay attention to the word shadow. It's, the question is not are you, the question is, are you alone in the valley? No. The shadow says we're alone, but the shadows don't speak of how big God is. God is bigger. Write this down. He is bigger than any shadow says he is. He's bigger. Yea, though I walk, I am walking through. So when you stop and pitch a tent in the valley of the shadow of death, everything is about you. Everything's about you pitching a tent because you're shepherding your life and you're stopping in the valley. God says his shepherding goes right through the valley, takes you to the other side. It is not complete. So in the midst of depression, in the midst of deliverance, in the midst of anxiety and fears, I just keep on walking and I follow the shepherd who's leading me because he leads me for his name's sake, not for my sake. That's what David's saying. Look at the word shadow. If you stand straight in front of a street light, you're under the authority of that street light. Picture that as God. You don't see a shadow. You take one step away from the light, you begin to see a shadow. Back here, I'm under the authority of my shepherd. He says, you stand, the battle belongs to me, you trust me, and here's what we say. I think I have a better way. So we step outside the authority of God. And when you step outside the authority of God, you're going to see a little bit of you and you're going to remember a little bit of him. But do you know how you can really get rid of a shadow? Just keep walking. Soon you'll be out of the light. Now here's what I want you to understand. The light never moved. You moved and I moved. Don't ever blame God for your mistakes when you moved. People blame God for this, blame God for that. Let me tell you who moved. God didn't move, you moved, I moved. The light doesn't move. The shadow follows the person who's leading themselves out of the picture of light. And David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whatever shadow of circumstances that you're facing today, I'm telling you, God is bigger than the shadow. He's bigger than the shadow. He says, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear. Look, look at the text. I'll fear no evil. For you, my shepherd, are with me. You're with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. So you got to get the picture that you've got this shepherd who's leading you. He's got a rod and staff on either side of you. He's got you surrounded. So your job is not to get all the answers for your questions. Your job is just to follow the shepherd. Oh, I, I, I need some answers. One of these days, I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to explain himself to me. No, he's not. Listen to me. God is sovereign. You're not going to get to heaven and go, well, I'll tell you what, you tell me why this happened to me. No, he's not. He's not going to explain himself. He's much higher than you. He's much bigger than you. That's why we have him shepherd us because he understands and we don't. You're not going to get to heaven and say, well, why, 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 why? No, no, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to worship forever 
and forever and forever. Question, if you're not satisfied with Jesus being in your heart and life shepherding you now, what in the world makes you think you're going to get to heaven and enjoy heaven at all? I said it, send me an email, I'll respond. Look at the text. I'm coming home. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Now watch this. Look what our shepherd does. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is getting good. So I've got a shepherd in front of me. He's got a rod and staff on either side. But now we move from shepherding to a table. In this culture, it's not unusual for a wandering shepherd to be invited in to sit at the table for three days and have a meal, have fellowship, have an invitation. Have you ever been to uh, Hibachi Grill? The guy's flying, the knives are flying everywhere. He's going everywhere, flipping and everything, and here comes the food. He's chopping over here on the hors d'oeuvres. Here's what he does with the main course. Have you noticed? He just slides it to the side, the meat, the, meat, the fish, whatever it is. You're focused over here because he's flipping it on his hat, but over here there's a blessing coming. It's coming to the side. You don't see it. He sets it over and then it fully cooks and then he gives it to you. So what happens here in this text, if you'll look, David said, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You see what a shepherd would do is they would bed the sheep down the night before in a pen. They would go ahead of the sheep to another area and they would uh, map it out, get it all ready for the next night's stay. So these sheep didn't know where this pen was, but because the shepherd had prepared the table before they got there, when these sheep moved to that table, the blessing was already there because the preparation was already done by the shepherd. Our shepherd is prepared. He prepared things before the foundation of the world, Ephesians. And so when we get to the spot where we follow the shepherd, he's already been there, he's gone before us, and we were in this pen, now we're in this pen, he knows what he's doing, you gotta trust him. And look at the text. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Are you kidding me? All the naysayers in my life, all these years, and I didn't have a lot, but I had some. All the people that said I would never amount to anything. All the people that told me this mistake is going to sink you. You'll never be able to get out of that. Your, your coat is full of water and you're going to drown in what decision you make. All those naysayers, God has been preparing a table not only before me, but he's preparing a table before them. So when God blesses me, he lets my enemies see him blessing me. Is that not amazing? Oh, think about it. The people that tell you you'll never amount to anything, you don't even need to respond to them. Just let them see the shepherd leading you. He'll bless you at the table and let them get in on the blessing. It's amazing what God would do when we let him shepherd. Coming to the end. Here's what he says. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, here's where he closes. This is powerful. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're kidding me. I have a shepherd who's leading me. I just, a sheep, you don't train sheep, you train dogs. You train cats. Sheep learn to trust. Trust. 
That's what sheep do. Some of, we have a trust problem. We don't trust the shepherd. But it says, the text says, I got a shepherd out in front of me with a rod and a staff on either side because those coyotes and those wolves, when he's bedding me down in that pen, they're going to try to come around the backside. He's got me covered there. That rod and that staff, that's what it's for. It's not about the equipment. It's about the one who holds the equipment in his hands. It's my shepherd. And then look at the text. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to knock me from the backside. That's what it says. It says they're going to follow me the rest of my days. I got a shepherd. I got a rod and a staff. He's got a rod and a staff. And goodness and mercy are just giving me a push so that I can know that he's got me surrounded. And my enemies, they think they have me surrounded, but I'm going to tell you what, there's nowhere you can go and I can go that the presence of God isn't already there. He's got me. He's got me. The word goodness there is kind of a synthesis of grace, mercy, faithfulness, forgiveness. And you know, sometimes we ask, is God really good? And we only see it from a life perspective. This isn't good. He sees it from an eternal perspective. He's good. So what I see from a life perspective that's not good, he says goodness is giving you a push from the rear. And mercy is a covenantal word, which means he's faithful. And he's going to be faithful to me even when I as a sheep wander off, go off the cliff, do bad things, stupid things, sin. He's still going to love me. He's still going to give me mercy. He's still going to give me grace. Here's our problem. It seems like situations last forever on this earth. And we kind of view everything for what turns out here. He says, goodness and mercy are taking you all the way home, baby. I'm going home. One day, when the tug of the cord is pulled in my life, I got goodness and mercy knocking me from behind. And that goodness and mercy is going to usher me all the way to my heavenly home. God's got me now and he's got me then. He's got you now and he's got you then. The word follow here, I want you to see it in the text. It says, goodness and mercy shall follow me, follow me. You see, we look at life from the windshield at the front going, I don't see goodness and mercy coming. That's because it doesn't come there. It's following you. God's been faithful. He's been pure. He's been holy. When I've been unholy, he loves me when I haven't loved him back. He's given me opportunities that I don't deserve because of his grace. And goodness and mercy are going to take me all the way home one day. And it's given me a push right now. So I am having a little practice on this earth about God's goodness and his mercy. I'm a senior adult. I'm in the crowd. And finally, I've turned on my iPhone tracker. Because my wife is tired of say, me saying, where's my phone? <laughs> so, there's a little ping. You know how it is. The problem is I need hearing aids too. I can't hear what room the ping's in. <laughs> but let me tell you what the word follow means and we'll be done. 
Goodness and mercy shall follow you. The word means in the, range, in the language in the Hebrew, it means this, to pursue, to chase, to go after. Here's the picture. God is going after you. He is chasing after you. He is tracking you down because he doesn't want you to miss the blessing of him being the shepherd of your life. He's going to stay on you. He's going to keep tracking you. He's going to chase you. He's going to hunt you down. He wants to pull you down. And all you have to do is say, I'm going to let the shepherd have his way in my life. Some of you are shepherding your own life. And you can do that. I love that God gives us a free will. But I sure love it when his spirit convicts me of my sin and I say, God, I no longer want to be in control of my life. I want you to forgive me by your grace and your mercy. And I want you to track me down all the days of my life so I can dwell, be at home with, in the house of the Lord forever. I'll close with this. Two gentlemen recited the Psalm 23. There was a professional paid actor who recited Psalm 23 to a group of people. He was elegant. He was passionate. He was articulate. He knew when to enunciate certain words and phrases. And man, he brought the heat as an actor, as a paid professional. And he read the psalm and all the people that heard the psalm stood up and clapped. And then an elderly gentleman read the same psalm and he could barely get the words out of his mouth. The Lord, he was feeble, old. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He was cracking in his voice and breaking in his voice. He finished the psalm, barely made it through. And people just sat down in devotion and awe. The actor stood up and said, I just want to tell you that for you to notice the difference between what you just heard. I am an actor and I know the song. But this elderly gentleman that you just heard from, he knows the shepherd. Oh, Father, I guess it's pretty, pretty real today. There are many in this room that probably know Psalm 23, but they don't know the shepherd. I pray you would chase them, hunt them, pursue them, just like this psalm says, until they just say, Lord, I, I give up. I want you to do something in my life. Forgive me, I've made guilt. I've made mistakes. I feel guilty. I have grief wounds. I am hurt. I am wounded. I've been blistered by people. I've hurt people myself, and I need a shepherd that I can know that can take the sheep in me that likes to wander and put his life in me so that I can have a shepherd who can overcome the sheep in me, the sin in me. Father, I pray you'd speak to many people in this room by your grace and by your mercy. I pray that we could just answer one question. Are we a better shepherd 
than he is. And if so, whatever decision you make is totally up to you. And I love it about God. He gives you the power to reject him and say, no, I'll do my own thing. I'll shepherd my own life. You can do that. That's fine. You will shepherd your life all the way into eternity and you will split hell wide open because you did things your way. Or you can take the hand of the shepherd who provides everything and he'll shepherd you all the way home and goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.